Welcome to Sleep Cues, the everything baby sleep podcast. I'm Erin, pediatric sleep consultant and founder of The Happy Sleep Company. From catnaps to night wakes and regressions to teething, we cover all things baby sleep. With a passion for children's sleep, we're here to help tired families get healthy rest. Hi everyone, welcome back to the podcast. Today is Q&A Tuesday, so we are going to go through a bunch of questions that I got in my DM box on Instagram last week, and we're going to talk about the answers. We're going to talk about what might be going on with these little ones' sleep, how we can help, some challenges that you might be having that hopefully we can help solve with the answers to these questions. A lot of the questions for today are about scheduling, and I get that, especially as we enter summer months, scheduling can be tough. There are mist naps, there are car naps, there are parties to attend, backyard barbecues, pool parties, and it can be it can be tough to keep things on schedule, but it doesn't have to be a rigid by-the-clock schedule. We can try to focus on wake windows. We can allow ourselves to stick in some car naps and stroller naps and on-the-go naps here and there. We can allow our little ones to have their nap at someone else's house if that's something that works for you so that we can enjoy the summer months but still keep our baby's sleep on track. But lots of scheduling questions for today. So let's dive in. Hi, Erin. Can you give me a sample schedule for a six-month-old? I absolutely can. So let's talk through that. Six-month-old. I would be giving a six-month-old about two hours of awake time before their first nap. And then usually a little more than that, about two and a quarter, leading up to their other naps and bedtime. Usually babies are most tired and ready for their first sleep of the day. So that's why we do a little less awake time leading up to that first nap. And then they need a little more sleep pressure leading up to their other naps. So we do a little more awake time, a a bit bigger of a wake window. So two hours to the first nap, two and a quarter to the other naps and bedtime. So what we might see is that baby wakes up around seven and then they have a feed. And then if they're doing any solids, they might try some solids an hour later. If they're not, you might do a little bit of a top-up feed to make sure their tummy is topped up and continued to be full throughout the wake window. And then if we were up at seven, we would be in the crib for our nap at nine. That's our two hour wake window. Say baby sleeps an hour and a half. We wake up. It's 1030. We have a feed. We play. We maybe do another top up. We play a little more. And then we would need another nap in this case at 1245. So remember, we're focusing on wake windows, not on a static schedule by the clock every day. Nap today is at 12.45 because the first nap ended at 10.30 and our two and a quarter hours of awake time then gets us to 12.45. If the nap had ended at 10, then the next nap would be due at 12.15 because that is our two hours and 15 minutes of awake time. Again, wake windows over rigid schedules. So say we nap from 12.45 to quarter after two, we have an hour and a half nap again. So now we're up at quarter after two and we have our playtime and our feeds, and then we would need another nap at 4.30. The last nap of the day, especially at six months of age, is often the toughest for baby to go down for, but it's often the shortest as well. And I don't really want this nap to be a huge nap at the end of the day. We don't want to be pushing into a super late bedtime because we let the last nap be so long. 
or go on for so long. So I would cap the last nap of the day at around 45 minutes for a six-month-old. It's just enough to get them through to a good bedtime without being overtired. That's why we still have that third little cat nap at this age. So say we nap from 4.30 until quarter after 5, and then we wake up and we have our feeds and some playtime and our bedtime routine, and I always include a final feed as part of the bedtime routine. And then if we were up from a nap at quarter after five, we would be in bed for the night, two and a quarter hours later, at 7.30. That would be a perfect day for a six-month-old. Not every day is going to be perfect. That was a sample, really ideal schedule. A couple of those naps were an hour and a half in length. Naps aren't going to be that long every single day for every single baby. If the naps were shorter, bedtime wouldn't have been 7.30. It would have been earlier. It would have been two and a quarter hours after the last nap ended, whenever that last nap ended, based on how the rest of the day's naps went. So that's the important thing to keep in mind, that that was a sample schedule, a sample, a guide, an idea of what a perfect day might look like, but we have to make exceptions for the not so perfect days. We have to be aware that, for example, bedtime might have to be earlier if naps aren't all that great some days. Next question. I have a six-month-old. So this is kind of piggybacking on the last one because it's more about scheduling, but we get into some more nuances here. I have a six-month-old. I know he still needs three naps, but two hours of awake time seems not enough. Do you have schedule suggestions? If I push him to two and a half hours of awake time, it feels like bedtime gets pushed too late as it's often close to 8 p.m. I'm already waking him at an hour and a half for his first two naps and about 30 or 40 minutes for the last nap. What mom asked in this question is what she should do in terms of his schedule because it feels like bedtime gets pushed too late as it's often close to 8 p.m. And that's the part I want to focus on for this question. 8 p.m. is actually not too late of a bedtime for a six-month-old and it's often necessary. So I really encourage parents to try to get out of this idea that you've probably unfortunately read in so many places that just get stuck in our minds that your baby should be on some kind of static 7 to 7 schedule. Wake up at 7 a.m., go to bed at 7 p.m. Your baby's not a robot. Your baby is a little human being and not every day is going to look exactly the same and it is unrealistic to expect that your baby is going to sleep until exactly 7 a.m. every day at six months of age And that your baby's day is going to be so similar and so perfect every day that it works out that bedtime is 7 p.m. every night. We need to be more flexible. Once again, wake windows over rigid schedules. The answer to this mom's question is that 8 p.m. is actually not too late of a bedtime for a six-month-old. I would suggest that on a not-so-great nap day when naps were really short, bedtime might be as early as 6 p.m. at this age. And on a good nap day... When the day got pushed out a little further, 8 p.m. is just fine as well. I wouldn't go later than 8. I would make sure that a six-month-old wakes up from their last nap by about 5.30, 5.45 every day to make sure that bedtime is not later than 8. Most babies this age go to bed best if they go to bed somewhere between 6 and 8 and after an age-appropriate wake window. We don't want them to be overtired. So again, two and a quarter hours from their last nap 
not before 6 p.m., not later than 8 p.m., but 8 p.m. is okay. Try to get out of the idea that bedtime needs to be 7 p.m. every night. I do hear that from a lot of parents, and I understand why. Again, because you've read it a lot of places or heard it a lot of places, but I think it just puts too much on parents and too much on babies to expect that a baby is going to be on a rigid 7 to 7 schedule. Next schedule question. Hi, Erin, can you give me a sample two-nap schedule? I put this question in because I wanted to point out how tricky it can be because once again, our babies are not robots. And the two-nap schedule of an eight-month-old is probably going to look really different than the two-nap schedule of a 12-month-old. And that's the important thing to keep in mind. This mom didn't mention to me in her question how old her baby is, and that is a really important component to the answer. For an eight-month-old on a two-nap schedule, They're probably handling about two and a half hours of awake time before their first nap and about three hours of awake time before their second nap and again, three hours of awake time before they go to bed at night. Most eight-month-olds are going to do well with that schedule, but most are going to be overtired if we give them more awake time than that. So generally, at eight months of age, a two-nap schedule would look like two and a half hours to the first nap, three hours to the second nap, three hours to bedtime. If naps weren't super long that day, we may have to stretch that last week window to get baby to 6 p.m. for bedtime because I don't like to do a bedtime of earlier than 6 p.m. That's just asking a lot of baby, but ideally two and a half, three, three. That's our wake window schedule for an eight-month-old. But what if this mom was asking me about an 11 or 12-month-old? My answer would be different because Two and a half hours of awake time before their first nap for a 12-month-old is not enough. They won't be tired enough. Three hours of awake time before their second nap, also not enough. Three hours of awake time before bedtime, still not enough sleep pressure for a 12-month-old. So we need to increase the wake windows. And this is another age where we have to expect that bedtime is now going to be a little bit later than it was before because we're still on a two-nap schedule. Most 12-month-olds still thrive on a two-nap schedule, but we have more awake time between those two naps. So it's inevitable that bedtime is going to be a little bit later than it used to be. It might be as late as 8 p.m. once again. So for an 11-month-old, a 12-month-old, a child around that age and then up to about 16 to 18 months when they are ready to drop to one nap per day, I would recommend we're doing more like three hours of awake time before the first nap, three and a half to the second nap, and then three and a half or even four leading up to bedtime. That would be a great schedule for an older child who is around 11, 12, all the way up to 16, 18 months. And you can see how that's a really different schedule than the two-nap schedule of an eight-month-old. Okay, here is a scheduling question about car naps. Tips on what to do when baby falls asleep in the car before we get home for nap time. She seems too energized to go back to sleep at home, even if she only naps 10 minutes in the car. This is such a common problem, and this mom is right. And it's not just your baby, mama. It's so common that your baby will nod off for five or 10 minutes in the car or the stroller and then you get them home and you try to transfer them to their crib or you try to just keep them up for a few minutes and then put them down for their nap because they were due for a nap and they won't go to sleep. It's like that little five or 10 minute cat nap just energized them too much, gave them a second wind and they won't go down for their nap in their crib even though they only napped five or 10 minutes in the car. It wasn't enough. They're going to be really cranky if they don't get a proper nap, but they won't seem to go down for this nap at home. So honestly, my suggestion, if and when it's feasible, if your baby falls asleep in the car on the way home from the grocery store, 
and you have the time to do so, I would drive around and let your baby extend that car nap. We want your baby to get some rest at that point because we can almost guarantee that your baby is not going to fall back asleep at home for their nap right after they've had a little car nap. So I love it if we can avoid baby falling asleep in the car or the stroller and get them home for a proper nap in the crib. But if you've already lost the nap to the car nap, if it was unavoidable, you had an appointment, you had to do your groceries, the baby fell asleep in the car on the way home, and it's already happened and you can already see that your baby's fallen asleep, if you can, I would just drive around and let them have a decent 30, 45 minute nap so you can call it a nap. And then when they wake up from that car nap, just start a new wake window and try again at home after a full wake window. That way your baby got a decent-ish nap and they're not going to be super, super cranky through their whole wake window from only getting a five-minute car nap and then skipping their nap at home. And you can do a full wake window and then do a proper nap at home later, of course, if your baby's on a multiple nap schedule. And finally, this one, tips to avoid nursing to sleep for naps. This is not a scheduling question. I threw this one in. Tips to avoid nursing to sleep for naps. That's all that works. And you can't see it, but there's like a cry face emoji here because mom is clearly tired and frustrated because nursing seems to be all that will work to get her baby to sleep for naps. This is really where sleep coaching comes in. And this is where I always say to families, you do what works for you and for your baby that's safe and healthy and gets you the most rest that you can until or unless it doesn't work anymore. This mom is saying she wants to avoid nursing to sleep for naps. She's been doing it because it's all that works, but this, well, the way this question is worded and this cry face emoji shows me that she's done with it and she would like her baby to go to sleep a different way. There's one big tip and it's sleep coaching. This mom framed the question in a way where she said, how do I avoid nursing to sleep for naps? But her question is really, what do I do instead? If you don't want to nurse to sleep for naps anymore, you just don't nurse to sleep for naps anymore. But the question is, what do I do instead? Because nothing else seems to be working. And I get this question all the time. Parents will tell me, you know, if I put my baby down drowsy but awake, she just won't go to sleep. Or she wakes up fully the moment her little body hits the crib mattress. Or... If I try to take the pacifier away, I understand how to take the pacifier away, but I don't understand what to do when my baby's upset about that. But we want to take the pacifier away because baby keeps waking up all night long looking for it because she doesn't know how to sleep without it. Things like this are similar questions to how do I avoid nursing to sleep for naps because that's all that currently works. Again, the answer really is sleep coaching. And what that looks like to your family won't necessarily be what it looks like to the next family. It might be some kind of sit in the room approach where you're with your baby the whole time until they fall asleep and you decide what you're going to do and what you're not going to do while you sit there. If you're taking that kind of approach, you want to be really careful that you're being there for your baby, but not being overly stimulating because that can make it harder. We also don't want to just replace old sleep crutches like nursing to sleep or pacifying to sleep with new sleep crutches like sitting there and rubbing your baby's belly until they fall asleep under your hand. So we want to make sure that they can hear your voice and feel your touch and know that you are there for them, but avoid being overstimulating and also avoid offering sleep crutches because your goal in sitting in there is for your baby to learn self-soothing skills and how to fall asleep independent of sleep crutches. 
that might not be the right approach for your family. Maybe you are more interested in taking some kind of timed check-in approach where you leave, but you check back on your little one. You decide how long are we going to leave the room for? How long are we going to go back in the room when we go back in? What are we going to do when we go back in the room to reassure her, but also ensure she's working on going to sleep independently so this gets easier and easier for her? so that baby becomes more confident and comfortable and familiar with how to go to sleep on her own. And then the tears start to go away because inevitably there are going to be tears involved in sleep coaching. We need to be realistic about that. If a baby has had, say, eight months to get used to one way of going to sleep and we are now going to ask them to learn a brand new way, it's going to be frustrating for them. And frustration for an eight-month-old looks like tears and protest. So if we're realistic about that, we can be prepared and have a plan for managing those tears in a way that your baby isn't just left alone for huge extended periods of time without support, in a way that your baby knows you're there for them and gets reassurance and love and guidance, and in a way that baby comes out the other side confident and comfortable and familiar with these new sleep skills and able to go to sleep much more easily and peacefully and independently, sleep through the night, go down on their own for naps, be on a great nap schedule. This is all the stuff that can be accomplished with sleep coaching, but you really want to have the right plan in place. A plan that feels good to you, comfortable to you, a plan that you feel confident in. If you have a plan like that in place before you get started, you're going to be a lot more consistent about it. And consistency is how you are going to have success with teaching your baby independent sleep skills. All of that is stuff that we at the Happy Sleep Company work with families on every single day, one-on-one to give them a plan and the support to go along with it that they need. Not everybody uses a sleep consultant. Certainly not everyone does. But what I would say is that if you're doing that on your own, if you're sleep coaching on your own, make sure you've done your research and you've educated yourself about different approaches and you've really decided on what kind of approach is going to make the most sense for your family so that you can have that consistency and you can have that success and come out the other side with a great little sleeper. That's all for today. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening to Sleep Cues, the everything baby sleep podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, leave a review, and share this episode with a mom or dad who might need some rest. Connect with us on Instagram at The Happy Sleep Company and check out our website, thehappysleepcompany.com for loads of blogs, sleep guides, and information about how we work with families one-on-one to get sleep on track.